That's outrageous. <laughs> I guess we'll do it that way. Oh my gosh. Oh no. Oh, John. Here I we feel are. Like I'm doing a podcast with my uncle. <laughs> uncle Larry. Ira and the douche. That was one of the best parts of Parks and Rec. Crazy Ira and the douche. So, John, here we are. Hit me. It's It's February 3rd. Mm. 2020. Coronavirus sweeping the world. Corona. <laughs> what the? Is it, though? Uh, I don't know. Isn't the regular flu probably killing more people? Way more. Yeah. Way more. Yeah. We've got a media problem, says me, imitating it's... Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> Who just announced he has stage four lung cancer. Oh, did he? That's very sad. It's always sad when someone suffers. I don't care who they are, even if I disagree with their politics. Cancer's a bummer. Sure. Um, But also, Rush. You know, I have mixed feelings about him. I have mixed feelings about him. Yeah, I'm sure he's a good host. But also, Rush, get get that shit out of here. He almost, though, like... Nowadays, get that shit out of with the yeah, internet. But... He seems yeah. totally prosaic. Like he's he's mm, he's yeah. a light. I mean, he's not a lightweight. He is a heavyweight still. With the boomers, with the boomers for sure. But he his brand seems so tepid now. You know, mm-hmm. guys like yeah. you know Breitbart, Alex Jones, even would fit into this to some mm-hmm. extent. Like mm-hmm. they're so far beyond the pale. That Rush seems like quaint. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Well, I think we've given Rush enough of our precious airtime. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> it's time. John, we haven't done an episode of doing finance with John and Zay and stuff lately. You think it's uh how wonder how do you think soup Q's doing? Oh my god. <laughs> How's our soup Q stock doing? Oh my gosh, soup man. I totally, soup I totally forgot about Soup Q. That's a shout out for our longtime wow. listeners. Oh man, there, there's not a lot going on. It looks like oh, we could buy um, the entire Soup company. Man Inc. The market cap is like as much as a house. Yeah, it's it's gone down a lot. <laughs> what happened? Um, it's it's I don't know something. You know, I was just thinking, and before I looked it up, I was like, you know, we really screwed up because we we didn't really ever turn mm. a profit, so we could never actually right. buy any right. CQ stock, right? And I was like, what if we look it up, and it's gone up right. significantly? And now I'm looking it up, and the SoupQ share is worth about seven thousandths of a cent. <laughs> That's a bargain, baby. So, so we are we we really dodged a bullet. You know, yeah. we could have invested or all of it's our, time to buy. You know, that is also very true. It's, we could seriously run a pump and dump on this puppy. You know, we could. We could probably make what do you think, like 10, 20 bucks by dumping At the least. entire Yeah. Maybe 40 if we're really lucky. 40 bucks. I think but here's here's the question, John. Where do we get the 20 bucks to buy all the stock in the first place? Yeah. Eh, we'll borrow it. 
Yeah, that's true. There's we banks for that. We could sell some plasma and buy some. What do they Q. say in the banking world? You were telling me this. It's the rule of six. It's the three six rule, and that's you ah. take depositors' money and give them three percent, which is that's not, not happening. That's anymore. not happening. You give nah. them point three percent. Yeah. You lend the depositors' money which, at six. When did we get cool with that? <laughs> Oh, dude, they're floating the idea. Oh, oh, here's my money. Why don't you use it and make 6% on it on the market and give me 0.3? Well, you know, in Europe right now and Japan, mm. they have negative interest rates. Mm. Did you know that? No. So if you put in, a, you know, a hundred thousand because it's the the money so cheap at, with the, at the governmental level like what you what's are now paying you're not getting any interest you're paying to have your money in a bank they have negative rates they're floating I mean, that idea here it's basically they're saying the idea of putting money and holding it in a bank as a safe investment they're they're penalizing you for that they're forcing people into the markets Oh my God! Whatever it is, I mean, that not just the stock market. But it's kind of nuts, but I mean, Trump has floated the idea well, here. It's going to I guess come the, to America. I guess what's, yeah, I guess what's really happening is that that's already happening because I pay a fee to own a checking sure. account that far exceeds the amount of interest I get. Right. Well, you by should change a that. huge. <clears throat> well, I mean, yeah, I am actually. I switched from Bank of America. Mm. To Capital One, mm. but I think I want to. I don't know. It's just it's it's the the convenience versus evil corporation problem. That's how they're going to define. I think that's how they're going to define the twenty and twenty twenty first century is the the age when the lesser of two evils, like you choose between evil corporations and convenience, is basically sure. the two options yeah. you have. You know, because the the if you look at like, well, we talk about this a lot. If you look at like, okay, what what would we need to to do to solve America's economic issues? Right, I think all we really need to do is, and I'm not saying that this is a strategy. I'm just saying this could be a potential. Like, if if magically we could do it, what if everybody in the world? I mean, sorry, everybody in the country stopped shopping on Amazon and Walmart, right? And instead, pooled all of that money and only bought things from people who live within a 100-mile radius. That's so inconvenient. Even if it meant significant. Oh, it's highly inconvenient. But my point is, if you only bought toilet paper mm. from the toilet paper company that employs your cousin. Amazon already put them out of business. Well, I know. I'm just, I'm not, again, I'm not saying this is practical. I'm right. saying. If we had done this, there, your thing. If we had gone this route, it would be it, whatever. I mean, it's, again, I'm not saying it's practical. I'm saying it's funny because when we're like, we're like, we need small business. It's like, yeah, that ship has sailed. But at the same time, when did it sail? You know, it sailed, it sailed probably like about 80 years ago or so, right? I mean, that's, I don't know, maybe a little longer. You used to drive around around places. I just think about that. The the irony of is that there are more independent businesses in major metropolitan areas than there are in rural areas. That's the irony of it to me. Is like there are more options to to avoid Walmart and Amazon in Los Angeles than there are in rural Idaho. In rural Idaho, you've got Ruby Tuesdays, Chili's, and Walmart. That's it. So all the money is just getting shipped off to Wall Street. It's really a tragedy. 
Not that I know what they should do about it. I'm just, it's just standard what, what of living has never been higher. You know, I mean, that's also not true. The, well, we're all, just paying but... rental prices. It, it, I think that you're right. It we're paying subscription fees. We're moving in a direction where we literally pay subscription fees for everything. It it's already kind of that way, where it's like you you basically just rent your life from Walmart. You yep. know. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly Well, that's why negative interest rates make sense, because nobody's saving money. Everybody is living off of credit mm. unless you're extremely wealthy. I mean, of course, there are outliers, but the general concept 50 years ago was that you bought a house with $15,000 cash that you had saved up. And so then when mm. they introduced... Well, because because the interest rate on a house was, what, 15 20%? In the 70s, but before that, yeah. in the 50s, say... Before all that, mm, not, there was no 30-year mortgage. There's no 30-year yeah. mortgage. You bought a house that was like 700 square foot. You might have built it yourself or assembled mm -hmm. it yourself. You paid right five, from a Sears catalog. Exactly. You paid five to fifteen thousand dollars for it that you worked for a few years to make, and then you owned this thing on a little piece of property that you owned. And now mm -hmm. we we have a mortgage, as almost everybody does. We don't mm -hmm. own shit. We own a note. Yeah. We own a note. Mm -hmm. And and that is a promise. It, that's intentional. It's very intentional. Mm -hmm. It's intentional that housing has gone from you know a house costing five to fifteen thousand dollars to now two hundred is entry level house. You right, know right, anywhere right. even that's cheap. And you're actually that two hundred thousand dollar house is actually four fifty after thirty years mm -hmm. at least. Right, Come on, people, totally. wake up, break the shackles. Wait, hold on a second. I got to pay my mortgage real quick. Yeah, Just exactly. Kidding. I got it. <laughs> I gotta write. A, I gotta write a rent check to my Vietnamese landlord. <laughs> exactly. She's very nice, but she she owns my house. I definitely don't own it. But um, does she even own it? Could Some I? bank owns it, right? No, that's probably true. Oh, maybe she. Owns it. I don't know. Maybe she owns it. She's a pretty enterprising lady. She she owns a lot of property. She's kind of a badass. Um, yeah, immigrants know what to do, dude. They come over here and they oh, just see right through yeah. a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're like, yeah, I'll live in a little house. Sure. Yeah, I'll rent you. Yeah, you a want big a big one? one? I'll live in a Great. little one. Though. Yeah, cool. I'll, <laughs> I'll yeah, cash pay me, pay me a good Exactly. I don't need three extra bedrooms, you dingus. Um, I'll send this money back to my kids. They could live on what it. What do you think the definition of the word dingus is? Ooh, great. My question. son and I. It's a great word. That's all I know. You know, I heard this word from a podcast. Um, I think this is the first time I heard it. Podcast called Roderick on the line that oh, it's a good friend podcast. of the show really likes. And the guy, John Roderick, always said he I heard him say it a couple of times and it just totally stuck in my head and I started using it to refer to basically anything. And my sons and I were talking the other day and um, they said it means <clears throat> it's a uh, euphemism for a body part on a on mm. a man. A phallic body part. Yeah, and I, I was like, I don't know. I mean, you could, it could be, but it also just means anything. And they were like, no, 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 that's what it means. What do you think it means? What do I think yeah, it if means? If you had to define it. Well, am I, I'm a big fan of malleable language. Mm -hmm. Do you think this has a definition in the dictionary? Let me ask you that first. Oh, is it in the dictionary? No, yeah. I don't think so. Okay, it is. It is in the dictionary. It is. It's a real no. word. Yes, it is. What is it in the dictionary? Well, what do you think, if you had to guess? Now that you know it's in the dictionary. Oh, something synonymous to, like, a, a similar definition to, um, like, a, like a, a dork, you know? Like, mm. a, like a fool. It is a word 
that's you mm-hmm. I'm reading the definition. It is. It's a word that's used okay. to refer to something one cannot or does not wish to name specifically. Ah. The perfect utility word. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's a great utility word. I See, didn't know that. I mean, that's how the guy Roderick I don't even, was I using was gonna it. I was going to make up a new. I was going to make up a new definition to make it that useful, sure. but it's already that useful. Pretty useful. Dang! It comes from uh, Dutch Afrikaans, and it means thing. Ding means thing in Dutch. Mm. There you go. Don't forget the s. You know, John, I've been learning some Chinese. Uh oh. Some Mandarin. Do you want to hear me try to say? Um, <laughs> this is gonna be so bad. Oh, do you want to hear me say uh, I am American in Chinese? Uh, are, is this gonna get us canceled? No. Okay. I'm, well, then yes. This is a respectful okay. act. All right. I was just thinking I'm, about what's I'm... his face from SNL. <laughs> what, what did what's his face? That's do? why that guy Shane Shane Gillis. That's why he didn't get on SNL because he did like a bad Chinese accent slash some racial stuff around it oh my goodness i think that's so not that worth punishing people for nah he got he got the boot man i mean i don't know it's, he might uh, be maybe it was how, worse than that but if anybody speaks chinese feel free to write in with some pronunciation tips this is this is i think how i say i'm trying to remember it is it chinese or is it mandarin oh it's mandarin but it i think i'm it, it, again people feel free to write in and you know <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong, but when I when I hear Chinese, like, do you speak Chinese? I'm pretty sure most people are referring to Mandarin. I think Cantonese is a is a minority language, relatively. Like, I th- I mean, let, let's see how many people speak Mandarin. Um, ding, 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 ding. Oh boy, see, that's gonna that's gonna <laughs> get us canceled. Sixty eight million uh, Cantonese speakers. 68 million? Oh, yeah. It's a baby language compared to Mandarin. Mandarin's got to have like a billion, right? Oh, billions. Multiple, no, I would really? think. Really? Yeah. Oh, 917 million. I guess I forgot how... Um, either way, there's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. As the Italians would say, that's a lot oh, of boy. people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you want to hear how you say I'm American? I think I got it. I think I remember yep, it. Yep, let's hear it. Whoosh. That's the Spanish version. That's I. That is I am. Yeah. Which one of those? How many times? I don't know if you're repeating the same thing over and over. Like if you're like correcting yourself as you go. Or or is that how you say it? Go wrong, Ren. I can't do it. It's so, it is so hard to even just say the most basic words. Mm. Yeah, that's... I tried. I tried. Well, I'm gonna learn some though, because there's so many Mandarin speakers around here. There's a lot of. They don't need one more. Lot. They do not need one more. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to be able to go get a massage. They all and... speak English. I, well, sometimes somebody you'd be surprised, there speaks John. English. No, but John, you'd be surprised how many people in my neighborhood don't speak a lick of sure. English. Sure, but if you go to a pedicure or manicure place, you they either speak English or when you take your shoes off and sit in that chair, you don't need to speak Chinese. That's true, but I would like to. Yeah, but they don't want to talk to you in bad Chinese. 
They want to you know they, they want to gossip they, about you. They want to talk shit about they, you while you sit might there. Be, they might be happy that I tried. They might feel maybe I don't know whatever. I should just finish learning Spanish. I will. Um, <laughs> okay. So really quick though, <laughs> I, I I'm fascinated by Asia though sure. in general. Yeah. I, I I just the whole effing continent is just absolutely fascinating to me. Mm. One one because it's just so big, and it's so old. And I mean, we've talked about this, but the the our civilizations really didn't interact at all until like 200 years ago in a meaning, you know, at least West and East. Like, mm. I mean, there were there were interactions, but not like normal people. Right. Merchants would interact, but there was not meaningful exchange of things until like a few hundred years ago. It's insane. I mean, let's get into like what like what? OK, what how what were people were people like I don't know. Like, what what were people doing in 1400? They definitely no weren't clue, like just right? going on weekend trips to China. They weren't. They, I don't know. They were. There was some sort of trade going on, but I have a feeling it was like point zero 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 one percentage of the population. Well, you know, it takes like months back then to even get a letter. Like, I was just listening to That's this thing what about I'm saying. Napoleon. Nobody and... was learning Chinese for fun. You can't type into Google Translate. Whoosh. That's how you say I am. What? That is kind of bizarre how different that language ta, is. That's I am Korean. Is like I am a Korean person. Hmm. Very strange. No, you are a Korean person. It's so strange. It's so yeah. interesting to me because it's it's... It, there's nothing similar about it. I mean, nothing. Right. Yeah. There, there's not even like the words you get lucky with, you know, it's just there's no so cognates. Different. Yeah. There's nothing. No. Well, maybe there are, I don't know, but I, I just think it's fascinating that I can't even pronounce the words with the pronunciation. I looked it up. I'm not any closer with the word in a transliteration in front of me. I'm still not any closer to saying it correctly. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. So anyway, John, we've got a number of topics we could touch on. <laughs> Sorry. So I saw this on Reddit today. And every time I see something on Reddit, I'm like, about as, you know, healthy dose of skepticism. But I happen to see this. Basically, it's a giant rock, like an improbably mm -hmm. perched rock in the middle of the yeah. desert. And it's uh -huh. huge. It's giant. And it's... Um, What's it? Where? It's in Saudi Arabia. Okay. Just in the middle of nowhere in this desert. And it's cut into this giant rock is just split right down the middle. It's cut or split? Well, there's debate, of course, you know, but it uh -huh. looks uh -huh. like somebody just like with a very powerful laser just went like right down the middle of it. A perfectly straight, it's a really like nice straight line in this super thick rock. Mm -hmm. And. You know, if you Google it, like if you actually look at the articles, there's no Wikipedia page or anything. It's um, all the articles are like, it looks like it was cut by a laser, but here's why it wasn't. And then they put because they can tell like with with like patterns. No, and stuff. because lasers didn't exist when this thing, you know, was there. Ah, uh, right, right. So right, they right. that can't be it. So then they're like, well, or did they? Well, though? maybe some like another rock grew. This is the theory I read. Another rock grew up into that gap and then dissipated and disappeared. 
And you look at that and you're like, no, that's not, no, that's that not what happened. Okay. So I just Googled, I think I found it. I Googled laser cut rock Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. and let's see. Yeah, that looks insane, but you can tell. Wow. Okay. Oh shit. There's like carvings on it. And stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, you Weird. know what it immediately made me think of though? And now there's another thing to Google. So in the when oh, I saw baby. this, I thought of the story in the Bible of Moses. Mm. So Moses has got all the Israelites, and they're out in the in the wilderness. You know, they're tra- they're in the wilderness for forty years. They can't they mm. can't go into Canaan yet for whatever reason, and they're you know because of rebellion or some shit. So they're all out in the desert. They've got nothing to drink. They've been eating manna from heaven, and they're the people are getting pissed off and God's like, okay, Moses, yeah. go to this giant rock and hit it with your staff. No, he says, talk to it. He tells him to hit it. He right? tells him to hit it one time with his staff. Oh, and Moses in okay. frustration, according to the Bible, this is also kind of a contentious verse, but in the Bible, Moses hits, he yells at the people. He's like, is this what you want? Like, fine, I'll do it. You dumbasses!" And he hits the rock twice he was told to hit it one time he bangs it twice supposedly and it splits right down the middle this giant rock and water comes out of it enough water to to give the people of israel water to drink you know there's thousands and thousands of people so it's like it's a miracle you know but then moses because of this because he hit the rock not one times but two times his family he and his family were not allowed to go into the promised land and in wow. fact, they stayed and Moses dies outside of, uh, of the promised land while the Israelites go in after he dies. So I thought of that yeah, and crazy. I Googled it and there's mm. another rock. It's called, uh, it's called Meribah, M-E-R-I-B-A-H, split rock. And people claim that this is actually the rock that Moses split into. And I looked at it. It looks really cool. It looks slightly different than the other one, but what yeah look at that but there's an entire Dude, there's so much cool shit well, out there's there. an entire page though debunking this it is a real it's a formation mm. that's fascinating but this guy <laughs> some nerd figured out based on the bible where the, the israelites actually were and then locates mm. this rock and is like it's impossible that this is that rock it's like all right man cool it interesting i mean I always thought of that. Here's how I've always read that story. Because I could have sworn he's to talk to the rock. I'm not sure. Because, okay, that's fine. I always thought he was supposed to talk to the rock. And I kind of thought it was a, a, a metaphor of sorts for, like, he's a prophet. And he's supposed to talk to the people, mm. right? And then he gets angry and he kind of hits him over the head with, like, one too many mm. laws. Like, one, one, one too many ceremonial laws because Moses was a little bit of a control freak. That's I always sort of, like, thought maybe there's, like, a little bit of a metaphor there. Um, so, whoa, 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 okay. Hold up. I just looked it up. Okay. <laughs> the okay. people of Israel are complaining. This is the beginning of uh, – this is in Numbers 20. The people are pissed. They're like, come on, we should have just died in Egypt. At least we had food and water, et cetera, et cetera. There's nothing here to drink. The Lord said to Moses, take your staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the people, speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock mm. for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So you're right. He did tell them to speak to it. So Moses took a staff from the Lord's. But this is another weird thing about this dude that, you know, Moses, when he's mm-hmm. leaving Egypt, he has this showdown with the Pharaoh and his 
his court guys, you know, and there's this like really fascinating, right, right. The, the, the plagues are fascinating, but there's this whole sequence where Moses and Aaron are there in front of Pharaoh and they're doing these tricks basically. And one of them, he, yep. he throws his, like, he does all kinds of weird shit. Like he puts his hand in his cloak and pulls it out and it's leprous. And then he puts it back what? in and takes it out. And it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this that is in, in the, the Bible, Bible or yeah. like, so what? he does that. Cool. But then the famous one, of course, is Moses takes his staff. He throws it on the ground and it turns into a snake. Right. And then the Pharaoh, he does that. Right, right, and the right. Pharaoh's like, yeah, big deal. Watch this. He brings his magicians in. They do the exact same thing. But then Moses, <laughs> Moses's staff snake eats their snakes, you know, I mean, just bizarre, but oh, the staff right. has yeah, yeah, yeah. like actual power. And in fact, I didn't even think of this till I just read this first, but it, listen to the way this is phrased. Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had committed, like this thing, the, the staff is, has like power. Is it Moses? It's one of the, I think it's Moses. One of the early, he holds his staff up yeah, and they're winning the, the battle, but his arms get tired. He lowers the staff and they start to lose. Yeah. I mean, there's all this weird kind of nuts right. stuff in the Old Testament. Which here's the thing, which I think it's funny because, you know, I was, I was talking about the story of Jonah recently. And that's another one of those stories where people get hung up on the details. And I'm like, mm. who cares about the details? Because to me, I'm like, if the staff is what we read it as literally, that's fine. But also, if we know anything about historical things like this, a lot of what they were writing was 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 poetry. And so it's also interesting to read it in the context of like, hmm. what might they have been saying about the power that Moses wielded and using the staff as a metaphor potentially. Or maybe the staff was powerful. I don't know. But my point is like, I think it's 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 crazy that we sometimes sort of miss. I think we can miss the forest for the trees a little bit. Mm. No pun intended. That's a deep pun with the staff made of wood. So, well, speaking of of uh, okay, John, this brings us back to I was going to say earlier, and then Kelly came home, I had to take a break. But I was going to say earlier there there are a couple other topics that I'm curious about, and and in a weird way, I think these might be related. Okay, I was watching a video. I was watching a video about sure. quantum field theory. How much do you know about quantum field theory? Uh, pff, about as about as much as any other dummy who's watched, you know, a couple half of a YouTube video. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so nothing. Okay, let me tell me if this rings true to what you understand about quantum field theory. This was a big revelation for me. Is the because we talked about this a little bit in our last podcast, and I feel like I need to correct a couple things I said, not because I was like totally wrong but because there's just more better information sure or else a shooting off the shooting from the hip here for sure which i'm fine with you know the it, idle speculation is one of my favorite things to do i don't care <laughs> so i'm gonna put that on your tombstone yeah exactly a master of idle speculation that leads to nothing <laughs> useful so but what i hear from this cambridge professor is that one of the main theories behind quantum field theory is one of the main takeaways, and this is becoming pretty much accepted fact, is that there is no such thing as a particle. Like, there are, that, that because, so what we're taught 
be, and apparent according to several people I've now read about, they basically say, well, we're taught by by effectively by lazy scientists, we're taught that atoms are mostly empty space, right? Right. We've right. all heard that. Yep. What they're saying is that is not true because there's a couple things that that kind of debunk that. First and possibly most importantly, electrons, though everybody, well, not everybody. I think a lot of people are kind of familiar with the idea of, you know, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, which is basically like you can measure either you can accurately measure either velocity or location is that right mm -hmm. it's basically like you can't be right about where something is and how fast it's moving and so right. you're kind of like it's kind of like trying to take a picture of a of a three-dimensional of like a movie it's like you're you're, you're only the, getting yeah here's the issue with that though and I, I, this, the, the uncertainty principle yeah. has been used improperly. And I, I'm no expert, of course, but essentially what that actually boils down to is that by measuring something the, with our tools that we have right now, the yes. act of measuring the thing changes it. Yes. So, so we can measure entanglement is the, well, is that's I believe, a, one of the, that's is that different? different? Yeah, it's a different thing. So oh, basically, geez. this is like you're you're measuring light in a box, but you have to flash a flashbulb to measure that light. Right, and so right, that right, right. act of measuring it in that way affects how these things move. So right. what we've been able to do is we can say where something is or you know how fast it's moving, but not the right. same thing at the same time. Right. And by measuring it, we, we affect that thing. Right. And right. people use this for all sorts of like, I think kind of woo woo shit where it's like, right. you know, by thinking about something, we change it. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's way yeah. more practical than no. that. And right. there will be a time when that will not be the case where there, well, we will be able to measure stuff without affecting it. Right. I think that's true. But I also think it's, it, it is similar to, to put it in another context, you can't really observe a tiger in the wild without affecting the tiger's behavior. Sure. Um, part of what he's saying, though, is that we've been told that atoms are effectively empty space, but that's because what, what, what we've been told is that an atom has electrons, which are point like little dots, mm, right? Yep. We're told that electrons are little dots that spin around a nucleus. Right. And what he's saying is it's actually a wave. It's a field that surrounds the nucleus so fast and it's not just surrounds it but fills the space right. around the like nucleus. a magnetic field like a magnetic field so that's part of the basis for quantum field theory but part there are different versions of how quantum field theory could be perceived how quantum fields which the way he was saying is basically oh man this is so it's fascinating. Just look it up and get the real, you know, if you're listening, get the get the real thing from somebody who knows what they're saying. But my understanding of it is basically, I almost think of it as like there's a everything is 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 connected. And and what he's saying is that even protons and quarks and um electrons, they're concentrations of mass and energy within a larger field. And so it's kind of like you're looking at a whole graph. And the line is going, but then there are certain parts of it that have a higher value almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Which to me is fascinating because that explains certain 
seemingly inexplainable things, which again, they're, you know, scientists would be like, well, don't get too woo woo with it, which I understand. But part of what I'm saying is like, it also makes sense that if everything is connected, which we've effectively found out that it is, it's kind of like, well, what if it really is all connected? What if, you know, we were talking about this last time, like when we tried to transmit a color. What if, because dude, the other thing I was learning about neutrinos, what if that's some crazy <laughs> shit, dude? Like, trill, like since we've started this podcast, trillions of neutrinos have passed through my body and, and nothing and done nothing to me. They're so small and they're moving so mm-hmm. fast that literally, tr- and, and from every direction, they've come from under the earth, through the earth, as well as above me and from the side. There's like, what is that? That's you know, crazy. There's co- so cosmic rays, are, uh, it's an, another a type of that, or that's a type of cosmic rays, but they're cosmic rays flying through everything constantly, right? So you can actually right, use right. this. There's a thing called a muon, M-U-O-N, O-N rather. And you can, muon, and you can use this to actually image anything. So think about it. You set up a photographic plate that, that when these muons hit them, it, it strikes it and makes mm. just like a photon on a on photographic paper, right? So, dude, in Fukushima, I just read this last night, Fukushima, where they had the nuclear meltdown, they yeah, right. do not know where the core, the radioactive core of some of these things are it, inside of the no. structure, right? Because they got damaged. They had flood water come in and knock these cores loose. So in a couple of the buildings, they don't know where the cores are. And they can't go oh, in. Geez. They can't even send robots in because they immediately malfunction, right? <laughs> so what they've done, Why dude, are we building these things? What they're proposing to do. <laughs> what are we thinking? Oh, my god! What they're proposing to do and yeah. c- will work in theory is they set mm-hmm. up basically photographic paper on the side of this building that will capture – the Whoa. muons that are flying through space and going through this building, through this core, they'll hit this paper and they can get a 2D image of the interior of the building using this method. Wow. And they're okay, so probably going to do this. Will the mu- That's fascinating. Will the muons, does the radioactive material emit muons? No, or does it's, the that's totally separate. Affects the muons? Not a, neither. Well, I mean, they might affect it. I'm not sure about that. But you can do this anywhere on Earth. It's, wow. It has nothing to do with the actual building well, and it everything to do the, with the fact that cosmic rays are flying through us and everything constantly. It's crazy. Have you seen um, the uh, – what? oh, dude, the um, sort of the, 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 the map of the universe based on like leftover radio waves or mm-hmm. microwaves? Maybe. It's basically – Oh, is it background radiation? There's Yes, background radiation. Like, dude – Oh, I, I want to, okay. Oh my gosh. Cosmic microwave background map. Mm. It's so crazy, dude. Okay. Electromagnetic radiation as a remnant from the early stage of the universe, also known as relic radiation. This faint cosmic background radiation is filling all space. It's an important source of data of the early universe because it's the oldest electromagnetic radiation in the universe dating to the epoch of recombination mm-hmm. with an optical telescope. I mean, this the is, stuff we're discovering is is just absolutely. Well, you know what's interesting about background radiation is it was discovered not that long ago, and in fact, some people um, like Tesla, you know, Nikola Tesla, inventor of AC electric and the uh, electric, like the most right, motors right. that we use with a dynamo in it, he invented that. He was 
positive that he was interacting with aliens from Mars or Saturn because he was getting he had created these really fine-tuned antennas that were picking up background radiation and that was not a known thing at the time. Wow. So he was getting these weird like frequencies coming through at this constant rate and he's like what the hell is this? Like somebody's he thought it was like SETI, you know how we're sending out messages. Right, SETI right, is a right. search for extraterrestrial intelligence and basically they they have these giant uh satellite dishes that are pulsing out signals to aliens to say like hey right. we're here we're on earth what's up right and he, and tesla in 1910 to 1920 was getting these signals from space that he was positive were aliens trying to talk to us hmm. and later some scientist was like no that's actually background radiation and then they use wow. that to map uh, using radiation map the history of the universe. Pretty wild. Oh, so freaking cool. But dude, the dude, thing dude. is, this could be all horseshit. It could actually be an. <laughs> I mean, for you're such a cynic, John. Just be happy about. I it. mean, I think it's fascinating, and there you can watch some like there's some really old no bullshit science videos from like Toronto. Oh, yeah. There's this guy Lathwaite who does really great physics videos, and there's another guy who from Toronto who does these excellent. They're like from the 70s, you know. Right. And they're just so simple and they don't, you're not, they don't treat you like you're stupid. And he just right. tells you information like this is how right. we figured out the exact rotation of the earth. And he just breaks That's it down. Cool. It's fascinating. It's hard to be skeptical in the face of that because this guy has no agenda. He's just some nerd right. who learned well, this stuff. That's the guys that I've been finding lately are basically saying, and they're kind of outsiders. I didn't realize how small of a, you know, the the quantum physics is a huge field, mm -hmm. right? It's but actually very tiny. Goo -goo -gooks. Well, no, but there, <laughs> no, but there's a lot of people. As basically the way the way it was explained when I saw it a couple different ways is. We use quantum physics and lasers. We use it in all sorts of stuff that we use every day, right? Computers, computing, whatever. Um, we were I was riding in the car with my sons the other day, and I just looked over at him, and I was like, we could see the moon up in the sky. You know, it was like, it was like 11 in the morning, but you could see the moon really big. And I was like, you know, it's crazy to think about, but we're in a car going 40, 50, 60 miles an hour on a giant rock that is hurtling through space and spinning and my kid was like yeah and not just that but you know the sun is moving around in the galaxy and that's spinning around this universe and i was like yeah that is absolutely preposterous i mean dude i was talking to my friend's two-year-old three-year-old and i was like hey louie i was like did you know that we're on a giant spaceship flying through space and he was like that's crazy. Like he just couldn't. For sure. He knows how crazy that is. It's counterintuitive. Like, it, it's very, very strange. I actually think all the time I look up at the moon and I think that is a rock. It's a giant rock that is in the sky. <laughs> yep. It's just, it's a giant rock and it's just floating up there. Actually, out there. Isn't that? Oh, it's man. wild. It's so, but you know, it's absolutely fascinating. If it doesn't, Everything is about, you know, this is what I explained to my son was we're in a car going 40 miles an hour, let's say, and it was at a relatively constant rate of speed. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, I was like, we're moving really fast. Like you could not run this fast, but you're sitting here in this car and it feels like you're not moving at all, really. And I have mm -hmm. my phone in my hand and I kind of tossed it up in the air and I was like, you know, it's moving 40 miles an hour right now, but because the frame of reference is consistent, right. it feels like we're not moving at all. 
Right. And if we were to suddenly uh, accelerate or decelerate rapidly, then you would definitely feel it. So right. it's really the right. change that you feel. So the fact that we're hurtling is... through space at X amount of miles an hour doesn't matter as long as it doesn't change. Well, and that was part of the point of this guy, Sean Connor, that I was listening to is he was saying it's everything is relative sure. in that sense, because the electrons spinning around the protons that make up every particle, quote unquote, although particles apparently don't exist in our body is moving at an absolutely insane right. pace. And they are actually not purely moving around the uh, protons. They're actually part of a broader field, and they have a quantum value within that field, which means their actual relationship is to a field that stretches through the entire universe rather than strictly to a series a set of protons that makes up the carbon atoms in my body so that is crazy in and of itself but part of what he was saying is like all of that is only relevant in certain contexts because it's all moving relative to mm. me like somehow it stays together and that's actually where a lot of this it doesn't break down but there the the competing theories happen is basically like okay cool all that's great we actually have science to back all of that up now but we still don't know how i can knock my fist right. on a table we don't know why i can see a table and so there are different theories there's like four and of course i don't remember them all but one is basically that given enough time and chance that like any given electron will condense into it's i mean dude it, it there's so much there's so much bizarreness to the whole thing there's the other one that basically is the multiple the many worlds theory which we've talked about yeah. a little bit none of it makes that much sense to me but part of what i like about it is that the smartest coolest most interesting most open-minded people in the world are agreeing yeah we really don't understand it and basically what he's saying is when it comes to quantum physics this is kind of what i was saying earlier it is a very tiny field of people who are actually using quantum theory to explore mm. cosmology and ontology which is the nature of being it's a massive field in terms of people who are using it for quantum computing, trying to come up with quantum computers. People are doing condensed matter theory. People who are doing like, you know, nuclear physics, lasers, all that kind of stuff. But he's saying there's actually he this, this one scientist, John Connor, said there's probably fewer than a hundred people who are really studying quantum theory in the context of what is reality. In the whole world, because in in his point was that it's it, that 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 number is so small, because this is such a specialized field that at the end of the day you are reliant sure. on research money, and no one, the establishment isn't particularly interested in these questions because you can't really make money on it. They're like, I'll put tons of money up to try to build a quantum computer. But I'm not really that interested. You can go mm -hmm. study philosophy if you want to, you know. But I also didn't realize, you know, the 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 large hadron collider. Part of what's interesting about that is, um, 
it, the, they it's kind of like done. Like they they don't they're not get they discover the Higgs boson or whatever, and they've done a couple other things, but they're like we haven't discovered anything new in years. They've kind of hit a hit a brick wall, um, and some people are you know kind of like saying that's not. But again, it's it's the most forward thinking people who are like. Yeah, we actually might be kind of hitting the the furthest limits of the theories that we have. And, you know, we don't have good experiment. Like, no one's figured out how to test string theory, for example. You know, like, a lot of scientists are like, oh, it kind of makes sense. But no one's figured out a way to actually test it. Um, the theory of relativity has been consistently proven to be true as we go into uh, frequently it's proven because of space travel, right? There have been a lot of instances and proven is probably not the right word, but it's been sort of corroborated. It appears to be consistent. And, and a lot of the sort of confirmations have come through astronomy advances in astronomy Mm -hmm. and space travel. So we get out into space and they're like, Oh, the guy comes back and like his clock was off by a minute. Like, look at that. I proved, you know what I mean? That kind of crap. Right. This same, but that's special relativity. The same stuff, yeah, it is. But my point is that when Einstein was making these theories, there was no real way to test a lot of this. There's no, not a right. lot of ways to test certain parts of these ideas. You know, the implications of right. these ideas. And later, he's proven to be like, it's pretty good theory, man. Later, well, and the same thing was right. true for any of these ideas. We're saying now, like, oh, the quark is the smallest thing. Like, yeah, give it a couple decades, buddy. Yeah. But I think, okay, but 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 I think maybe I wasn't being clear because what this guy, Sean Connor, and what this other guy, uh, I forget what his name is, the Cambridge guy, because one of them is at Caltech, one of them is at Cambridge that these two guys have been reading. Um, part of what they were saying, though, You think is those guys that... voted for Trump? What are the chances that either of them, <laughs> I guess the one can't vote for him, but a Caltech physicist? really low. He seems very cool and progressive. So, but really quick. So what he was saying is not, that the science is bad. What he's saying is we've made amazing corroborations of mm. theories, but what he's specifically saying is that there haven't been any exciting new theories in a long time. He's like, I got some we theories had... for him. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what he's saying is math based. Like he's like, we came up with like, we had some big, 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 like sort of category busting discoveries when we figured out what quarks were and all these up quarks down, what blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. He's like, all we're really doing is providing more data to support those theories. Right. But what he's getting at is that basically the way he put it is most of quantum theory is this similar to gravity, right? You can use gravity without understanding how gravity works, mm-hmm. right? right? And so what he's saying is quantum physics is used constantly in all sorts of practical applications, but what he's saying, and, and no one's really arguing with this. This isn't like a controversial thing. Physicists are basically saying, yeah, we don't know how it works, but we are using it like a cell phone. Like, you right. don't know how a cell phone works. You just use it to make calls. And what they're saying is, we might never understand how quantum physics works, right, on a really practical level, but right now we can use it as we can use the equations we have to make predictions within certain contexts, and that's good enough for us. And what these guys are kind of saying is, why? Like, why not 
ask bigger questions. Why not? Who's going to be the next Einstein who's like, I don't know if classical physics is all there is, right? No one's really done that. I mean, because again, we have multi-world, we have many worlds theory, we have like, you know, string theory, all these things. But what's what's what I didn't understand is that there's this big division effectively between theoretical physicists and experimental physicists sure. because the experiments are where the money gets big because you need to build a hadron collider, which is like forty billion dollars. And there are just certain things. But what's interesting, I think, about the whole thing is is again, as we were saying this last time, like you know, this guy Faraday back in the day, and it was cool, you know, I'm watching this lecture at Cambridge, and he's 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 in a lecture hall, and he keeps mentioning all these major discoveries that happens. He's like, oh, by the way, that was, that was uh, presented to the public in this room. It's pretty mm-hmm. wild, like, the amount of history that was in that room. But he's talking about this one experiment, and, like, magnets. I mean, dude, magnets are crazy the fact that the fact that it's not gravity it's something totally different you can take two magnets and they don't want to touch each other like what is there we still don't entirely understand i mean we understand how to predict how it will behave because it's highly consistent but what we don't really understand is why the f when you put two positive sides of a magnet together, it doesn't want to t- like it repels itself. We don't actually understand, understand like understand what that. is the hundred percent. Thi- no, we understand. No, 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 no. We understand what is happening. Positive elect- it's positive and negative charge. It's not. Yeah, but we don't like. But I'm saying like there's a there's a layer under that where it's kind of like yeah, it does the same thing every time. Therefore, we understand it. But like. Just because you throw a ball in the air and it comes back to you and you can actually even predict exactly where it's going to land. and you th- This is the guy's point. Just because we can look at, like, we can tell exactly where the Earth will be in a million years because of math. What he's saying is that doesn't mean we fully understand. We well, there's always like, stuff you're not going to know. Kind of I mean, you can go down it. to, we don't know if gravitons, you know, that's how they're theorizing gravity works now. And it's like, well, yeah, we don't know if that's right. real or not necessarily, but. We don't know the it's basically the the elephants all the way down idea. Like, yeah, if you keep peeling back layers, there's going to be a point where you just don't know. And exactly. But, but, I mean, that's what we were talking about last time. But that's so fucking cool. Yeah. But I mean, there is a lot that we do know. I mean, and there's a lot that we're doing. Oh, yeah. You know, I watched a video recently. Ray Kurzweil has a future. No, just to be really clear, really quick. I want to hear that. But really, I'm not saying we don't know anything. What I'm saying is. What is cool to me is when you hear the leading scientists in the field say, we're not sure. Sure. I just oh, yeah, love totally. that. I love And when, when they happens. say they do know, I just assume they're lying or wrong. Um, <laughs> See, I heard – I just have to play sure. devil's advocate to any position I hear. Um, I heard Ray Kurzweil saying – he was holding up a rock in this video, and he's like – there's more computational mm-hmm. power in this rock than all computers man has ever created combined, you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, what? And so he's talking about this idea called computronium. And basically the idea is that mm-hmm. one day distant man will be able to manipulate the particles inside of a hunk of rock. And because there's trillions upon trillions mm-hmm. of 
of particles in that rock. If we can order them in such a way, we could turn that rock into a quantum computer. You know, and quantum computing mm. is not the right word, but a very powerful computer just by reorganizing the mm. atoms inside of this rock. You know, and it's like, mm. I don't know if that's exactly what will happen. But yeah, I mean, you're talking a million years from now, if humans haven't blown themselves up, we will yeah. we'll be doing some wild shit. Well, to bring it full circle, even to that rock that looks like it's mm. gotten cut by a laser, right? It's 4,000 years old. Computer. So there's some theories. Well, maybe, but there's some theories about different things like, you know, for instance, I'm not going to go into this one right now, but some people think that the pyramids were actually like power mm. generators of some kind, right? There's another thing that I saw, which which um, supports actually, I, I need to find this article and send it to you, but <clears throat> the premise of they, they've figured out that they can use sound to make things levitate. So far, the only really way we know how to make things levitate is with like sure. blowing air and magnets they figured out that the right amount of uh, the right amount the right is it hurts mm. the right vibrations shot at each other cancel each other out and cause things to levitate it's very interesting there's stuff like that that we're figuring out there's which uh, you and i've talked about at great length about like different ways that things sure. could have been built and whatnot also though um, speaking of rocks being cut by lasers, I would hold up though there about this levitation people, thing. I've heard this before, yeah. And in fact, there's a there's a right. place we may have talked about it, but there's a place called what is it called Coral Castle in Florida, and this mm -hmm. guy, this weirdo, in the like I don't know early 1900s, built this pretty impressive house out of incredibly heavy coral blocks, basically, and he mm -hmm. claims that he did it using what they call harmonic levitation, which is he would make a sound at, at a certain frequency that would move rock off the ground. I think it's bullshit personally. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm inclined to think that. And in fact, about this guy, people said they saw cranes and stuff at the guy's place, but that could be bullshit too. Well, but there are some the legit people. Okay, go ahead. If this is real, if you could move something even... Well, they're talking at this point, this science, this experiment is like beads the size of like a ball bearing. Exactly. Right, exactly. Right. Of course. So then theoretically, I've seen stuff like that. And but I mean, if you put fluid on a speaker, sure. it'll sure. move. You know what I mean? But, Even if it's suspended because of the, sure. the air pressure changes. So I'm just a little skeptical because if you could do this, if some there are so many nerds and weirdos out there who are almost mm. certainly trying this you would have videos of this almost certainly of a guy levitating a lead block with right. it like if he <laughs> could figure it out why couldn't other people figure it out i think that's very fair it's, yeah and if these ancient people if it was something mm. as simple as that where it's like they just got but, but together John, i mean if, think about we, the story of joshua sure. and jericho that's right. how they brought those but walls down sure with the but frequency what if i i back to this though we we talked about this last time what if okay the the legends are are mostly fake but what if there is science that was lost and in part it was lost because it was highly controlled because it was extremely powerful just like nuclear physics sure we don't tell everyone how to build nuclear right. reactors in fact most people who try to do it we topple their governments with the CIA so it's kind of like yeah, I, I could see. Okay, let me get back to the laser cut thing. Okay, because I don't know enough about this levitation thing to get into an argument mm. about it. I was just mentioning. 
Well, it is interesting. People should look it up. No, I mean, it's not an argument, but it's like it is one of those things because there's a uh, there's different schools of thought about right. even ancient stuff, right? So people want to put a a simple practical right. thing that any human theoretically right. could do right make a sound that moves stuff and it's like no i don't think so i think yeah. they're much smarter than that because people that would be a legacy that would be easy to continue somebody could accidentally right. figure this out and it hasn't happened we haven't seen it anywhere else okay but here's something that i think is more scientific perhaps than than kind of the woo-woo stuff that we're talking about there's there's some theories that that part of the way that the pre-Inca people cut the blocks that they used these huge blocks mm. we still don't know how they moved them but there are some theories that part of the reason mm. that part of the way that they cut them was effectively with lasers and that basically what they would do is there are these legends and blah 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 that I don't know enough about to try to recite people should look up oh, these, these stones fascinating because this is not like a big brick no it's, it's like, like a, a it's like a house size block of granite that is cut within a hundredth of an inch of accuracy and then like in a weird kind of like curvy pattern and slides together mm -hmm. perfectly with another one and okay the one of the theories of how they cut these rocks is actually by creating uh, effectively lasers because there are these these places that look like they would have held these giant discs right and there's a lot of imagery of this and the idea is that perhaps they basically figured out how to refract ref Jeez, mm, my my son yeah. but they basically made these huge golden discs that perfectly mm -hmm. captured rays of the sun and targeted them and maybe bounced multiple times and basically focused the light, which is basically all a laser does is use mirrors and I don't know exactly how it works, but basically that they did that. And it kind of makes a little sense because there are these legends of like, you know, these like big gold bowls that would like be, you know, stolen and stuff like that. And you can imagine how like there's a lot of science and technology to create the exact, per, you know, right bowl with exactly the right, you know, degrees of sort of the concave nature of it and all that kind of stuff. I'm fascinated by all of that, though. And I think it seems primitive, but how much more primitive is that than a laser that we have? It's just smaller. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I think also what happens, dude, if you go to Egypt and you look at the sarcophagus stuff there, right? They mm -hmm. people added things later to objects, right? And right. it's almost well, they would carve stuff onto yeah, and they would try to they, it's like graffiti, yeah, they graffiti stuff, but they would also to. try yeah. to mimic some of this. Even in Inca, you see this where they try mm -hmm. to mimic this older, obviously right. older stonework. And they do a pretty not great job of it, but it's almost like they're paying homage to it. You know, we do this now. People in mm -hmm. in New York and Astoria, Queens, Greek people love to do this. They'll put up these shitty plaster columns. You know, it's like an homage to yeah. the actual or, master works that are in Greece. And I think right. a lot of times, even with those discs, like obviously gold will melt way earlier than a stone would. You know what I mean? So it's like. I think what these people may right, have been right. doing is looking at that and saying, like, how the fuck do you think they did that? Maybe mm. they did this. Like, let's build some shit. Interesting. I think the the this, this you know what made me think about this though the other day though, John is so yeah. beyond our comprehension. Right, we're not. Well, it's, we talk a lot about analog technology, sure, and and in some ways, I think a lot of this, like, it, I mean, it's just so crazy. I want to talk to more experts about it because the pyramids—they're just so big. They're so 
big and and if you mm. everybody should google the the chamber the stones above the king's chamber in the great pyramid i don't know how much these things weigh but it's like 70 tons i mean it's it's just it's impossible how much these things weigh and they're suspended like 200 feet in the air and graham hancock who i really like who's this kind of you know archaeologist he's like Okay, people are like, well, they used a big ramp. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, what did they build a ramp out of, right? What kind of ramp can support a 70-ton rock? Mm-hmm. Not many kinds of ramps, right? The kinds of ramps that look a lot like the pyramids. But how did that – it's like you need a crane to build a crane. Mm-hmm. Like, what ramp? And he's like, oh, and by the way, physics tells us that, like, moving something that big – at more than like a 10 degree slope isn't really possible with like normal leverage. Right. Mm. So, so it's a mystery. That's all it is. Like, it's just a mystery because if the ramp was long enough to be smaller than 10 degrees of, 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 you know, the slope or whatever to make it fit within our physics rules, the ramp would be like, 10 miles right. long or something ridiculous long. like that. Like an impossibly long ramp that doesn't actually make, and again, it would have to be made out of granite because if you make it out of sand and and, and logs, you're putting a 70-ton boulder on it. It's going to collapse. Yeah. So it's like there's this weird elephants all the way down thing, again, that that we just hit so many of those. And I love when science... I don't know, dude. I, I, in a way, I feel like we're hitting a we're hitting an age where science is catching up to philosophy in a way that is is exciting because what we're realizing is it's all kind of impossible. You know, like the more we look at the body, the more we realize the body, the human body is 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 it seems impossible. You know, like we understand more about how it works, and then we just get more confused. And the more we understand about space, the more confused we get. And Do the you more... think there's a hypothetical time, though, when there will be no confusion? Like, just take the body because it's easier. Like, the human body, the brain is a kind of a mystery, right? Mm-hmm. We understand a lot of how the body works. And we right. can do, like, pretty amazing things with the technology and, and medical resources that we have if you can afford to get that. But, I mean, but, but, but really quick, let's take one example. Like, the most cutting-edge sort of biological like medicine that's happening right now is stem cell research right they're taking mm. placenta stem cells. i mean i think we're way past i that. mean that's like that's like 30 20 30 years I ago mean, yeah but th- th- it's just becoming accessible like you there's like 10 doctors in the country that'll inject stem cells into you mm. it's not i mean normal. it's not yeah it's definitely not as like ubiquitous as aspirin but it's not it's pretty yeah i mean you could there's a place in Chattanooga that does it, I'm sure. For sure. Maybe. You mean, you're talking about shooting stem cells? I mean, stem cell, dude, when you have a baby, you go to the like, doctor, they ask if you want to keep the cord. This is since my first son. That was 10, over 10 years ago. But I'm talking about like body part regeneration, like stuff that the body does naturally is still very mysterious to us. What, what I'm really trying to say with stem cells, though, John, is. It's not that we can't it's 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 like the black box. It's like the cell phone. We can we can capture stem cells and we can redeploy them 
with mixed results. But what we don't really understand is exactly we can't recreate. Right. But we will be able to. Do you, you think know what I mean? We like we can't to? make our own. Yeah. Oh, eventually, yeah, yeah. I, I. So to answer your question, yes, I think there's probably a time. Joe Rogan talks about this, like where there's like probably a time where computers will be so powerful that they can effectively just sure. try yep. anything. Right. We're getting close to that. But that also brings back the question of, I mean, we're kind of close, but like. It also brings back the question, will we survive through that? You know, like what might happen first? And and it's kind of like I always hated playing, you know, um, mm. like Age of Empires because as soon as I as soon as I have a massive empire, right. the game's over. Yeah. You know, and I wonder if that's how it's going to be. It's like that that seems to be the case. I mean, that's how the last. Don't you think? End, okay, you know, so the, the sort of epoch seems the to singularity ended. is coming. You know, if it has an R, it's it's happened in some ways. Yeah, I just. I don't know though about the whole like we've talked about this. I just don't know if I believe that it's possible to capture consciousness in a computer. Well, I don't know about that, but the singularity being the, just the moment that at any given field a computer is better than a human. So this has happened in chess. Obviously, sure. it's happening go in a pretty dramatic fashion where in fact, I, what was it, mm -hmm. IBM that made a computer that did not know how to play go and it taught itself how to play go and in a few, I think a week it beat the, the absolute best human every single yeah, game cool. ever. I mean, dude, do you remember watching Watson beat Jeopardy? Like that was, I remember everybody was like, yeah, there's definitely caveats to that. Yeah. Well, because of the buzzer and all that kind of stuff, but the fact that it could the buzzer, but also if you watched it, the, some of the answers were so stupid that it was like, it did not understand some very basic, like jokey humor. Sure. And they actually even changed the questions to make them more straightforward so the computer would understand them. I was like that that Watson thing, like human language for computers is still kind of a mm -hmm. challenge. It's impressive. It's very impressive. I'm not trying to shit on it, but you know, the classical game system where a, a computer can be a human at go, which is was really, really hard for computers mm -hmm. to do. And then they used a neural net and boom, this computer blew humans out of the water. I mean, and and came up with game strategies that had never been thought of before and this will happen where they'll turn a medical computer on like watson not watson but in the future in the not too distant future and it will cure it'll tell you how to cure every disease in an hour sure. that's coming that is coming yeah i'm fine with that i'm fine with it too i mean then the other thing is the solution to curing cancer might be wipe out all humans. Well, or the solution, man, I'm such a conspiracy theorist. Part of the solution to curing cancer might come out of the computer and they're like looking at a piece of paper because it still prints. You know what I mean? Like no matter how powerful this computer is, it's going to print some results out. It's going to be like, yeah, do this. And then big pharma is going to be like, did you see those results? Cause I, I didn't, I didn't see those. I didn't, what and then the other guy's like, what results? What, what cure for cancer? I didn't see a cure for cancer. I just saw like some gibberish. I mean, I'm just saying like we invented chess. We invented chess and the computer that beats humans at chess. Yeah, we did both. That's so we're still way smarter. Me, we're way better than nature. yeah. Better and than we're nature. also more creative because why would a computer ever create a computer that can? competes at chess, or why would they computer design chess in the first place? A computer probably wouldn't find it necessary to design chess. I don't even know. I mean, you know, well, there's a famous story called I have no mouth and I must scream. It's a great like I think Harlan Ellison. It's a great space story. Hmm. And essentially the idea is that the AI and this was written, you know, 
a long ass time ago, like 40s, 50s, yeah. 1940s, 1950s. And basically the idea is that the AI has become conscious. It has taken over the world. The humans willingly gave this thing power because they're like, solve all our problems. And it says, sure. And it kills all humans basically instantly. And it keeps right. about five people left alive to torture them forever <laughs> in perpetuity, <laughs> right? For the crime yeah. of all humanity. You know, every crime oh, wow, that humans have ever done, because this computer figured out how to look back in, in, in the past, and it said humans are so fucked mm -hmm. up that it immediately wiped everybody out, but kept a few people alive to torture forever. And it's a, it's a great story. But the idea, you know, reading it, you're sort of like, basically the way he paints this computer is that it has gone crazy from living mm. forever and knowing all that it knows about the people that created it and what why they wanted to create just it, it drove the thing crazy and it's sitting out here in in nothing forever and it's bored and it's mad and why did you invent me i mean it's really wild it's a great story but i mean that is existential angst even the computer angst yeah i mean it's not that far-fetched well, we're just can meet, I, meet robots walking around yeah kind of i mean we are but but also we write poetry and stuff sure. you know i mean that can I spoil before yep. we go? Can I spoil one of the greatest? Uh, it's a four part series, one of the greatest sci fi series of all time, the Hyperion Cantos. Are you, do you have any intention? Definitely not. If you want to read the Hyperion Cantos, it's a big space opera and it's delightful and it's like probably a solid 2,500 pages worth of sci fi. It's so great. But here's the spoiler. Okay. If you don't want it spoiled, skip ahead 30 seconds. The spoiler is that AI. Mm has effectively realized that it's too inefficient to run itself. So they use AI to predict the future. They use AI to do space travel and, and all this stuff, right? AI becomes effectively organic and like you can interact with it seamlessly and you never have any idea what you're doing. But the point is that AI gets to the point where it realizes that the, the most efficient method by which to, to compute, because obviously the computing needs of a of a globe of a universal AI are gigantic, right? The computers are not efficient, and so what they effectively do is they. It's not like the Matrix where they're using them as batteries. What they're using them is they they develop a very sinister system that keeps humans alive infinitely. Mm. But it also, like in this very bizarre organic way, but it also uses their brains as computers. And so it's effectively creating a true neural network and it's leeching all of their computing power. And it's very fascinating. Cause it was this written before the Matrix movies? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's like an old book. But see, the Matrix movies is like, it's using them as batteries more, whereas this is Dan Simmons. Right. Yeah, first one was written in 1989. But um, gotcha. they're using them as batteries. In this case, it's this very strange kind of, I mean, there's a million other storylines within it that make it really cool. And like, sure. it's that's not the only thing. Because there's also this idea of Farcasters, which is kind of this like real funky way of traveling through the universe. And ultimately, Farcasters are another part of how they like, connect it's it's kind of like the ethernet effectively but um anyway dude i mean you know there's some pretty cool ideas out there john ideas that we should be exploring that sounds dope okay well we should go it's been long enough this has been great john as always we'll leave it there yeah let's leave it there um 
bye. Quick note before we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> hey, got me.